Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome in to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, the Badgers split their two games this week. A thrilling comeback over Indiana, racing a 22 point deficit in the first half. Or I should say it was a 22 point deficit in the first half. Ended up being 18 in the second half. They stun Indiana. Very, very impressive game. We'll get to that. And then also, obviously, uh, the not-so-great performance against Ohio State, at least uh, in the second half especially. But they are 1-1 one one in Big Ten play, and if you were going to ask if they could uh, split these two games, uh, I think you would take it as they sit now 8-2 and two on the year, and they will get back into non-conference play for a few weeks here. Nickel State coming up. But, um, you know, Jesse, I think if you look at this week, I think they're the, the way that when that Wednesday went, obviously very, very exciting, very, very good for the program. And then Saturday was kind of a step back. But I think overall, it's kind of a, a break even week if you if all things considered. Yeah, I'd agree. This is kind of what you expect from a relatively young team. And it's not going to be perfect most nights, but the grit that they showed, get them, get them all the grit factory hats, by the way, for the, uh, the second half performance against Indiana. But just for Wisconsin to show the ability to come back like that after a, a poor first half, Indiana was on fire. It seemed like everything the Hoosiers were throwing up was going in. They're down 17 at the half, 42-25. And then Wisconsin was just fantastic in the second half to hold Indiana to 17 points to come all the way back and win that game and start off big 10 play with a victory. It's huge. And it's even more meaningful knowing what happened against Ohio state. Cause it wouldn't have been a very good feeling to open big 10 play. zero and two and have to sit on that record for a month. Cause that's the way the schedule set up now where you go back into non-conference play. So I think this is a, a reasonable start. It's going to be difficult every single game in the big 10 and Ohio state. That's a top 25 team. That's a very good, program one of the better teams in the big 10 this season so can't really complain all that much uh, if you're a badgers fan obviously you would have liked a better result against ohio state but for this young team to be eight and two and one and one in the league pretty good start it is especially considering where they were in that first half against indiana because it was it was looking a little bit dire and then obviously they got contributions from pretty much all over the all up and down the roster but specifically Johnny Davis continues to be uh, the difference maker uh, finished was 23 against Indiana had that huge three pointer in the corner then against uh, Ohio State drops 24 pretty much the only offensive uh, consistent offensive weapon in that game 11 of 22 at seven rebounds uh, three assists three steals like he played 38 minutes so he was he was out there a ton but you look at him and and what he's been able to do to this point in the season are you going to start running out of uh, adjectives to describe him at, at some point in this season it's possible uh, but it's almost be- it, it has become the expectation and the norm which is sort of a preposterous thing to say this early that just go out and get get him 20 that's that's what he's going to do and now he's got the green light to do it um which i think helps clearly but he's got confidence no matter how many times he misses he's going to put up shots that three ball that he made from the corner where he did the sidestep, that is so difficult. And for him to bury it in that moment uh, just speaks to his talent level. I think, and I'm, I imagine we might get into this in the show, but the thing that stands out from this past week, that he needs help, <laughs> obviously. He's, he, let's take the Indiana game, for example. Wisconsin was able to win, and they got enough contributions 
I think Chris Vogt, what he was able to do, fantastic. He has seven points in the first eight games and gets nine in that game alone. But just overall, Johnny shoots eight for 17 from the field. The rest of the team is 14 for 45. And then you look at the Ohio State game, and Davis goes 11 for 22, scores 24 points. The rest of the team combined, 11 for 43, scores 31 points. I mean, for as great as Johnny has been, that's obviously not going to cut it. And Brad, for the most part, has been that number two score, but they need more. They've, it's something they're going to have to figure out. I don't know if they necessarily – I mean, you'd think it should be Tyler Wall, but every night do you know who your number three scorer is going to be and is it going to be consistent enough to help Wisconsin elevate into the top half of the Big Ten? So, I mean, those are some of my questions that have materialized through this first week of Big Ten play. But Johnny Davis continues to be tremendous. And right now it's just the expectation which speaks to how good he's been early this season. Yeah, we'll get into some of those questions because I, I do have similar ones, but I think the thing that you mentioned, other guys need to help type of thing. I, I would I think we all agree, right? Like that's not a that's not something controversial to say. People other people need to step up. There's no doubt about that. He can't do it alone. We saw yesterday Wisconsin's big man, big men, I should say, had very little impact on that game, whether it was Tyler Wall. Uh, probably not playing his greatest defense, but again, EJ Liddell is a, an absolute beast. Steven Crowell, n- almost non-existent in that game. Chris Voigt gave them a little bit off the bench, as he has, but obviously he dealing with uh, a tragedy of his own. And, and maybe I guess talk about that real quick here. Obviously, anybody that's that follows Wisconsin basketball probably knows this already, but Chris Voigt, his hometown, Mayfield, Kentucky, was uh, in the path of those um, horrible, horrible storms that rolled through on Friday night uh, across the country and essentially destroyed a large uh, portion of Mayfield, Kentucky and uh, killed upwards of 100 people. And he has put together a GoFundMe that uh, as of this recording, which we're doing Sunday morning, had raised $12,000. He was hoping to raise $10,000, but uh, people have come through. Wisconsin folks have come through. And if you have uh, if you can contribute, if you can't share it so that other people see it, Obviously, a, a horrible situation going on, and not just Mayfield, but uh, throughout that area, Illinois, uh, Tennessee, some other areas around there that uh, were, were hit by those storms. So um, certainly uh, thoughts to to him and to what he was able to do despite having, you know, with that on his mind, he was a part of the he was he was part of it. But the, the biggest thing out of this um, out of that game it came afterwards, at least in my mind, and that is Johnny Davis, who is clearly the leader of this team. Brad, we've talked. We talked to Brad, and he's. It's kind of a, a leading from the back, be able to step back, letting Tyler Wall and Johnny Davis handle things. But I think this is clearly Johnny Davis's team in terms of the leader of it, and he was very, very critical of his teammates afterwards. And these are not things that we weren't thinking, but to have somebody come out and say it is, uh, I think, a little bit uh, surprising, just because we haven't seen it a ton at Wisconsin. But here is Johnny Davis after the game saying, uh, talking about in the press conference that he had uh, the, the, the zoom that they had with reporters afterwards quote, I don't think our big men really came to play today and battle with those guys. He went on to later say uh, we were looking for other people to step up, but nobody else did. I, I think those are comments that you can say in a locker room and you know, no one will give two seconds thought to it, but to put it out there in the public, I, I would imagine he said these same things to his teammates, but I've never, I, I don't remember a Wisconsin guy coming out and, um, and saying these type of things, I don't want to say put him on blast, but 
or throwing him under the bus. I don't think he did that. I think he, that's just how he feels and probably said that to him as well. But taking it public is a little bit different than doing it in the locker room. In a, in a handful of interviews I've done with Johnny, the thing I've noticed, and anybody could tell, I suppose, if you listen to his interviews, he doesn't say a lot, but he, he means what he says. He's very blunt. He's very honest. Like he's, he doesn't have time to, to BS. I mean, think about last week when uh, he was being asked questions about Stephen Crowell, who had scored 15 points and uh, tied his career high with eight rebounds. And he was talking about how in practice they told him to stop being soft. He just, he gives no Fs. He says what's on his mind. And I'll be interested to see whether what type of impact that has. Um, I, presumably those types of comments get back to your teammates when it's made publicly. But at the same time, he's not wrong. And if he wants this team to get where it needs to be, he's in a position, even though he's only a sophomore, to say those things because he's carrying the team. He is the best player on the team. He has put himself in a position to be an All-American and it's sort of like, get on board and follow me or, or get off. I, I, maybe it's not that easy because he's talking about guys who are going to be part of the rotation for the rest of the season. But Tyler Wall goes out there, plays 23 minutes. He's one for seven from the field. And he plays sound defense for the most part. They need more offensive production out of him. You mentioned Crowell. Plays 23 minutes, doesn't hit a shot, no points. And Chris Vogt, I thought, was the best big man. Uh, plays 17 minutes, scores seven points, leads the team with three blocks. But collectively, those three guys, they're four for 16 from the field. And they get, what, five rebounds? That's just not enough out of your big guys. So, um, and you can throw Ben Carlson in there. Didn't, didn't make a shot from the field, had one point with two rebounds in 13 minutes. They need more. Johnny said they need more. Um, you can disagree with the, the way he did it but he's not wrong. Do you disagree with the way he did it? Not really, because I appreciate candor. <laughs> but say, um, say you're, you played, you played college basketball. I say be, you're in, say you're in that locker room. Are you, and you're the one that's being called out. Do you like it? No, of course not. I mean, I would probably be pissed because when you're a part of a team, there's sort of a inner sanctuary where you can say those things. And it's the locker room where it's pulling someone aside. And when you do it publicly, for thousands of people to consume, then you've put them on blast. And then you start getting asked those questions because someone else said something about you. It's not the best format if you're a teammate. Um, from a reporting perspective, it's, it's gold. But yeah, I mean, that has the potential to probably create some issues. But if these guys are mature and they, they handle it in the right way, it can be a positive. If you're honest with yourself, and you're one of those guys, you have to say like, yeah, I didn't do my part and I'll try to do better the next time. And maybe you pull Johnny aside and say, uh, <laughs> I can appreciate your honesty, but there's other ways to handle it. And maybe it can be something that is constructive moving forward in terms of how this, this comes out down the road. I think that's a really delicate balance in the locker room, a locker room that we, we thought, had changed to an extent and, and just in terms of the closeness or whatever, and, and they enjoy playing together and, and all the, the coaching cliches that, that we get, but it just, it, it felt different this year. And I feel like this has a chance and I'm not saying it's going to, and it's very possible that a guy like Steven Crowell or Tyler wall for that matter, or, or Stephen Voigt or Ben Carlson are mentally tough. And, and I'm sure they are. You don't necessarily, you don't always get to this level if you're not though. I think it's even more so, from this level to the next level, but this has a chance 
to to really put a dent in a lot of the things that they've built. I, I maybe that's a slight overreaction, but it just feels like something that was unnecessary. And again, while we appreciate it because that's it's awesome for media, I just don't know how it's going to play in the lot. It's, a, it's a fair point. And I'm interested. I'm interested to hear how it did play in the locker room, and I'm interested in what Greg Gard thinks about uh, one of his guys calling out others on the team in public. Perhaps we'll get some of those answers in the in the coming weeks. I mean, look, the, the schedule lightens up here a little bit, so I think everybody's going to play a little bit better. But um, yeah, maybe you know that that is sort of a lightning rod type of comment, and and maybe it can help your season move in the right direction. Maybe it's the eye opener or kicking the pants that some of these guys need. I it's tough to say in this moment. Um, Johnny, he's going to speak his mind and he's kind of earned the right to do so because he's doing things that nobody else on the team can do right now to even put him in position to win games. Well, that I, I that's where I think the frustration comes from. It's of him course him playing the way that he is and the rest of the team not coming along with him outside of Brad in the first half. Um, you know, the rest of the starting unit went what three for 18 outside of uh davis and davison three for 18 for eight points that's it's not going to get it done and stephen crowell is outside of the marquette game has kind of been like this for the last what last five games where he, he just hasn't been able to have a huge contribution especially offensively and you know i can understand johnny's frustration ultimately those types of comments are coming from a place of he wants to win he's super competitive he realizes what his role is on the team the other thing is a lot of these other guys are getting these experiences for the first time and they're not ready they're not in those types of positions it's it's, it's tough for a big man which we've talked about before even when there was Micah potter and nate reavers there the trouble that they would have against the types of players that Ohio state had. So it's, it's understandable while, why Crowell has had some issues, but you know, if you're going to be in the starting lineup for a big 10 program, you got to produce more than you did against Ohio state. So yeah, it it is, it's a difficult balance because there's a lot of young players and they're being asked to do things that they haven't really had to do yet. And it's just so happens that Johnny's being asked to do that, but he is an all American type of player. So he's, he's more capable of going out and doing it every night. I can understand his frustration though. You, you mentioned uh, Stephen Crowell being in the starting lineup, the, the way that uh, some of the struggles here, Chris Voigt hasn't been um, overwhelming, had a really, really nice game against Indiana. They don't make, they don't make the comeback without him. Um, he was okay against Ohio state. Should he be starting? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it depends. Like, Greg would know best of the, how is this going to impact Crowell? I mean, is it going to light a fire under him or is he co- kind of going to go into the tank? This is, he's a, he's a young player. He's a sophomore. This is his first year as a starter. Are you going to get a ton more production out of Chris? I think you probably know what you're going to get from night in and night out a little bit more. He's going to set screens. He's going to try and rebound. He can get you an occasional bucket. I mean, the last two games he's given Wisconsin, 16 points, uh, which I think is more than you would expect from him, particularly the way he played the first eight games in terms of his scoring. But I don't know that that's a tough question. Um, they're basically crowd played 23 minutes and, and vote played 17 in that, in the last game the, 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 against Indiana, it was 21 minutes for vote and 19 for crowd. So they're sort of splitting minutes right now. I don't know if right now I'd make that type of change. Yeah. One more thing on the Davis comments. I would hope, I would hope, and I have no 
clue about this whatsoever, but I would have hoped that he wouldn't make those comments without knowing that his guys could take it. Yeah. I, now, I don't know that case, but I just, I, I know certain people in the past, in the past would not take those comments in a positive light and it would affect, them. I think there are some past players that it would affect them. I would hope Davis wouldn't say that about a guy like Stephen Crowell. We, we all laughed in the post game lock in the post game press conference when he talked, when he said about stop being soft to, to Crowell. We all laughed and it's, and that's fine when you win, but when you say these comments, when you lose, I, I, you would think, you would think, and maybe, maybe Johnny doesn't view it this way or doesn't even think about it this way, but you would think or hope that his guys would be able to take it. No, well, he knows that they'd be able to take it. I, I suppose we're going to find out. Um, yeah, I see both, I see both sides of this. And, and to your point, that is why it's so delicate. Um, he's good enough to say these things. Um, but that doesn't mean you necessarily have to put them out there publicly. And either way, those are the guys that he's going to have to lean on. So they're going to have to figure out a way to, to come together. And those guys do need to produce more. So it's not that this is the first time. I mean, if they hear that comment, it's not like there's an aha. Wow. I really do need, they already know. So I don't know. I don't know how constructive ultimately that'll be, but that's why they play a full season. It's a long season in college basketball. It is, and for Wisconsin, it gets back into the non-conference here. These uh, what next three games? You got three more non-conference games after the Big Ten play. They'll get Nickel State, or I guess Nickels. Is it Nickel State or Nickel State? Eh, thought it was Nickel State. I guess it's Nickels. Um, Nickel State. Nickel State on the schedule. That's what it says. ESPN showing Nickels, but uh, I, I we'll go with Nickel State. They, they got Nichols, three states. <laughs> yeah, which tells you this is schedule is just who, who cares. <laughs> yeah, Nickel State, Morgan State, Illinois State. Those are their next three games. Um, in talking about guys stepping up and, and making an impact and helping out Johnny and helping out the team in general, I feel like this stretch is huge for them to gain the confidence to be able to do that. In your mind, like who who needs to benefit the most from these these next three games? I think there's a, a crew of guys that could, and I think they all need to, but perhaps one that stands out above the other, anyone? I mean, like I this is big for Stephen Crowell. Ben Carlson, I think Jacoby Neath getting back in, uh, Jordan Davis, probably uh, Marcus Silver, throw in Lauren Bowman, assuming he can come back uh, and be healthy. And hopefully this the flu doesn't ravage the entire team um, <laughs> or whatever they're being afflicted with right now. Obviously not COVID, but whatever, whatever's, whatever's de- they're dealing with, you hope it doesn't ravage the entire team to the point where you're you're losing a, a bunch of guys and they aren't able to take advantage of these next three games because they are huge because it goes from those three right into Purdue to to open the I guess Big Ten play in the new year. Right. Yeah, you could say any number of these guys. I, I do think that Tyler Wall seems to me to be the guy that if they need a third score, that he should be in a position to step into that. You know, Chucky Hepburn's offensive game, it's, it's its not where he would want it to be. And he talked about after the big Marquette win that that was a confidence booster for him. Then you look over the last two games and he only made two of 12 shots from the field and one of eight three-pointers didn't have a big impact offensively. Again, that's not necessarily his role. It's to run the offense, make smart decisions, not turn the ball over. Um, but I think this could be an important stretch for him. And then there's all those role players. I mean... Jacoby Neath, he really hasn't had that big of an impact. He hasn't played a ton of minutes, and obviously he missed time with an injury earlier this season. I I thought he would have a bigger role this season, to be quite honest, and maybe it has been impacted by the fact that he wasn't available for a stretch. 
But I mean, I remember Greg talking before the season that because Jacoby was one of the guys that Wisconsin coaches could not see when they recruited him, which is just crazy to think about that. They got three guys in Ilver was one Neath and then vote. He never saw him in person, Greg, until they showed up on campus in June because of the whole pandemic thing. And he said, once he saw Neath, that he was way better than they thought he was that based on tape, based on talking to coaches. And I thought when he, when the great Greg was talking, I wondered whether he would legitimately have a chance to start this season. Um, and if not, maybe he's playing 20 minutes a game. So I, I don't know whether he'll get to that point this season, but he is somebody that I would have thought would have had a bigger role. So maybe this is, he can get back into the swing of things. You could say that for, for a bunch of guys, Carlson, who we talked about last week, just hasn't had the type of impact that I thought he would. And I think Jordan Davis has benefited the last couple games from guys in front of him, not being available, but if Bowman is healthy and can play critical for him, I thought Ilver looked like kind of lost out there in the three minutes against Ohio state, just not ready for that level. There was one play defensively where he essentially got run over for a layup, um, which he wasn't the only one. And then he shot a three that was way off. So I don't know if I'd include him in this stretch, but any number of those other guys that I mentioned, I think have an opportunity to gain a little bit of confidence here in three games that you would think would be easy wins. Obviously they beat Indiana uh, without him. And it's not, he was playing a huge, huge part of what was going on, but do you think they've missed the ability to have Lauren Bowman come in Um, a guy who's not afraid to shoot it from deep and have, you know, on a team that has very few good outside shooters, to, to be able to add that in, do you think they've missed him these last two games? Yeah, for sure. He he provide he takes a little pressure off Chucky, um, and even though his Lauren's game isn't where he'd want it to be, he's hit eight of 15 three so far, fifty three percent. So not not a large sample size, I know, but he's playing about twelve minutes a game, um, and he does give them another dynamic, and he is fearless. So I think. Yeah, they're 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 missing that. Even if it's not a a huge part of of the offensive production, he does give you that, and and that's something that a lot of other guys on the team right now are really struggling with. All right, uh, so I think this is. I mean, this I wouldn't say it's the elephant in the room, but I think it's probably a lot of what people are are, are thinking about. Is it too early concern? Be concerned about this team's ability to shoot the ball. <laughs> Do they, I mean, do, they um, do they have enough consistent outside shooting or just shooting in general to to make a play? I mean, Jesse, they're shooting as a team right now. They're at thirty nine percent. That ranks three hundred and twenty third in the country. So it's been just as bad. <clears throat> excuse me, from deep, where I think they're they're shooting twenty nine percent. Yeah, and obviously twenty nine percent would be. <laughs> would be the worst, I think, uh, total in, I don't want to say, it may be in school history since the three-pointer came into effect. It's a tremendously concerning, even though it's still early in the season. You, you've you got your top two scores, the guys who are going to take the majority of your, your three-point attempts. Johnny's hitting about 38%. Brad's shooting about 35%. I think he can, I think he can get that number up. But... Other than Lauren, who we just mentioned, and Jordan Davis, who doesn't take that many attempts, and I'm not sure how many minutes he's going to get when everyone is available. There's there's not very many people you can rely on for an outside shot. Tyler Wall right now is 0 for 13 
Ben Carlson is 0 for 10 on three-point attempts. Um, Chucky Hepburn, who's taken the third most three-point attempts this season, he's 9 for 34, 26.5%. He's not a guy that, and if you're the other team and it's in his hands for a three, that's probably what you want. Um, Chucky's a fantastic player, but that's not a strength right now for him offensively. So I do think it is a concern. Um, Carter Gilmore, Marcus Silver, another couple of guys that haven't taken a bunch of threes, haven't made one yet. Jacoby Neath is 0 for 3. Like, that's a serious problem. Um, and we knew that this was not going to be the perfect season for Wisconsin, but if they want to exceed expectations, and like I said last week, be a team that can finish in the top half of the Big Ten, that is that has to improve. And I, I don't know that you can necessarily say you know where it's going to come from. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the problem. I feel like Jordan Davis could be that lift, but he hasn't necessarily shown it. I think he is a good outside shooter. Yes. Uh, Brad, Brad is going to be the volume shooter for sure. Johnny at 38%. I think we talked about this last week. That's a bit surprising. I know that's kind of who he is in, in a very limited number, I guess, last year. It's kind of where he was at. But that's just... That doesn't feel like that's his game. And I feel like that number is not going to stay at 38. I feel like it's going to, it's going to dip. So you need somebody else to step up and, and, you know, as good as Tyler wall has been at around the basket and even at the free throw line, which, you know, without, I mean, he's been, I don't want to say fantastic, but pretty good. 75% considering where he was at earlier in his career is awesome. And Johnny Davis, the same way, 82% and Brad at 84% that, you know, it's a good thing that they can get to the line because they're, they're st- the outside shooting has just been, I think atrocious would be a good word for it. <laughs> I, I think that's reasonable on the whole. And, and each of these guys have different strengths to their games. Tyler leads the team in block shots. He came up with a massive block late in that game against Indiana. He's a very strong defensive player. But if you would, put, if you would rank his weaknesses, um, I mean, outside shooting – is number one. Um, unfortunately, it seems like there's a lot of guys where outside shooting is pretty high up there on the weakness <laughs> right now. Uh, and given how critical that's become in college basketball, it's just kind of a recipe for uh, some struggles, particularly in the Big Ten. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the season, whether they can get hot or whether they can just lean on Johnny and Brad and maybe a third guy emerges. But uh, I, I imagine this is something that we're going to be talking about the rest of the season. They're probably going to have to find other ways to score. And I'll tell you another thing that's concerning to me. You talk about the overall field goal percentage. It feels like uh, this is more of a feel. I'm not looking at advanced analytics, but especially their big men. They struggle inside. I mean, the, the number of shots that are from five feet and in that are blocked or, or off the mark, it seems exorbitantly high right and i think that that you've got to be able to convert and i think that goes back to when johnny was talking about they need more production offensively that seemed like there were a fair number of chances particularly against ohio state and indiana too um that they're just not able to convert you got to be able to hit that especially if you're not going to be successful from outside what did they end up with i mean the stats had them at eight for 14 on layups it felt like a lot more than that like it, it felt like a lot more misses than six. Is that against? Uh, you're talking about Ohio State. Yes. Yeah, 
that's not, I feel like that's a pretty bad percentage on layups. (laughs) Oh, it is. And they were four for 10 against Indiana. Yeah. So look, I, I think they've actually gotten some good looks. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, for the most part, have been able to move the ball around and, and got some good looks. They just didn't go down yesterday. I, we haven't heard great guards sit here and say, like I remember last year, whenever they would struggle to shoot, and really almost every year, because I know these guys are good shooters. They'll go down. They'll start hitting them. They'll go down. We haven't heard that from him this year, and I don't know if that, that maybe that's just a, it's a small sample size, and they've they've played well, and he hasn't really been asked a ton about it to this point. But because um, he can't, his whole his thing, Bill Ryan's thing, can't yell guys into yep. making shots, yep. and that's fine. But they are, I mean, the the, the struggle bus. Is uh, is is full of Wisconsin shooters right now. And I think he'd be asked about it more if this is something that continues for multiple games. If they start losing, and a big reason is because they're not converting threes. I mean, you're not going to ask him in a post game after they win or they're eight and one why they're not hitting three point shots. So I, I do think that this is something that he'll probably be asked about if it continues. Right? And do you think his do you think his answer will be? I know these guys can shoot. I'm not sure what his answer will be. <laughs> All we have to go on is the product we've seen on the floor. Um, there are guys that can make threes, but can they make them at a high enough percentage that you feel confident? Not a lot of guys right now that I would say, yeah, I, I give him the green light. Who's the most confident? Who are you most confident in when it leaves his hand? It's going in. Uh, from three. Yeah. It's either Brad or Johnny. I know Brad's percentage is lower, but. He can get hot. I mean, he had a couple threes back, like on consecutive possessions. Um, it's one of those two. Yeah, I mean, he they started out the game fine. I mean, they, I think yeah. they went on a was it fourteen to two or sixteen to two run against Ohio State to to take a lead, uh, take it nicely. I think it was like seventeen to seventeen to nine or something like that. And then yeah, then they went cold outside of Johnny. And, I mean, Brad hit back to back threes in the span of thirty seconds. Yeah, so he's capable of it. Right. Uh, you know, plus minus is kind of what it is. But Johnny had the lowest one yesterday, despite scoring 24 points. He was, they were minus 19 with him on the court. Does that does, does that give you pause into any type of uh, reason to believe that plus minus is a real uh, indicative stat of things? Eh, he played 38 minutes. They lost the game by 18 <laughs> points. Like what? <laughs> I, How I could his plus minus be? Nah, I don't know. I, I mean, over the course of a season, probably. Yeah. But he's going to be playing almost every minute. So, and he's also the guy putting the team in position to to succeed. Yeah, he's putting up the most shots, but he's shooting the highest percentage. He's scoring the most points, and he's doing some other things too. He led the team with three steals. Johnny Davis um, is the best player, and without him on the floor, they would be uh, below five hundred at this point. I, well, I look think at what happened against Providence. Yeah, I mean that, that. There's no doubt about that. I was. It was a little tongue in cheek. Ah. Um, he is. Obviously a star. He's a, a potential first round draft pick. If uh, potentially, I think Robbie Hubble said uh, lottery pick. I'm not willing to go there yet, but mm-hmm. the, the way that he continues to play certainly would uh, lead you to believe it. Getting lottery picks are usually about, usually, usually about potential and the, the ceiling. And I think Johnny's ceiling is still very, very high, but um, I mean, he's been, he's been fantastic and you certainly don't want to, don't want to imagine where this team would be without him at this point. However, uh, who do you think, if anyone, we've talked about a bunch of guys here, who, if anyone, you think maybe needs more minutes? 
well, needs more minutes because he needs to get into a bigger rhythm or because they need he's deserving of them. Deserve- I mean, I, 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 give me both. Well, like Ben Carlson, I think needs more minutes to establish some confidence and some rhythm. I just, to me, he hasn't been, at least he hasn't been the player that he was early last season. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get those minutes because you would say, well, who who would he get them over? I mean, Tyler Wall's playing almost 30 minutes a game. Um, and Carter Gilmore, obviously, has been able to step in. He, he was had an illness and didn't play against Ohio State. So I feel like there's sort of different types of answers. He could use the minutes, but I don't know if he's going to get them in terms of who deserves more minutes. I don't know. <laughs> I, I th- that's also a tough question to answer. You know, vote and Crowell are sort of splitting minutes. I don't know if anybody necessarily deserves more minutes. Is there someone that you think deserves yeah. more minutes? All right. Well, does okay. How about you'd like to see get more minutes? Okay. Um, this is another tough question. I'd like to see Jacoby Neath just because I want to see what what he can do but so far it hasn't been a ton and the other thing is if, if you're bringing the reserve in for more minutes you're taking them away from starters who have very clearly established their roles um you know maybe maybe lauren bowman but then you're taking it away from chucky and what he can do and chucky's so good with the ball and i mean L- lauren's got a negative assist to turnover ratio which to me is like the most important thing for a point guard uh very small those, sample size it is, but I mean, we're, you know, 10 games into a season, but uh, I guess those are a couple that come to mind. I don't really, I, this is just what Wisconsin is right now um, for better or worse. Johnny and a bunch of guys. Mm, I mean, Brad, I think is more than a bunch of guys. <laughs> um, offensively, it's sort of Johnny and Brad. I, you know, the, again, these, these other guys do a lot of, other things well but offensively that's kind of what it's become yeah well wisconsin again uh will get nickel state on wednesday and then they will get two more non-conference games and then they get back into big 10 play we've seen uh two games of big 10 action from everybody i believe and the, <laughs> the standings do not look like i thought that they would uh largely because purdue is not at the top of them they get shocked Shocked is a good word. I think shocked would be a good word for what uh, happened to them in uh, at Rutgers this week, uh, getting beat on a uh, half-court shot. But after these first two games, and really, I guess, after the first month of the month and a half of the season, has your outlook changed anything uh, on the Big Ten at all, or is it still Purdue and everybody else? Mm. I mean, Michigan State and Ohio State, I think, are also in the conversation. Those were the other three teams that – or those were the other two teams that are – you know, top 20, top 21 type teams. I, I think it's those three, you know, Illinois sitting here at two and O two, the Purdue loss. That's a total fluke. <laughs> I think Purdue probably winds up winning the big 10, even though we're still very early, but going I would away. say those are the three going. No, I, I don't know about going away. I mean, big 10 just tough. Like they, they can go out, even if it's a fluke, you can go and lose to Rutgers. So I don't think there's a going away situation, but those would be the three. I think Purdue, what? Michigan state, Ohio state. So what are the tiers then? So do you have do you have Purdue by themselves at the top, or do they are they with uh, Ohio State and Michigan State? 
for now, I'll put them all together. Okay. <laughs> Maybe if right, that's so it's those three. Doesn't go in. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's those three Purdue, Ohio State, Michigan State. What's the next tier? Uh, that's tough. <laughs> I mean, Illinois has to be Illinois, in there, right? Illinois. I mean, Mich- Michigan, as young as they are? Maybe. I mean, does this. I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's a, it's just a jumble there. Could it be Iowa and Indiana? And if you're going to put Indiana in there, then there's Wisconsin in there. It's just a, I yeah, feel like I four, mean, four I, through I, 10 I is basically I mean, the same. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think it is. I think it's, you know, uh, an Illinois, a Michigan. I'll be honest. I think, I think Illinois is going to end up being in that top tier, but mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of that second tier, yeah. Michigan, Iowa, Min- Wisconsin, Minnesota, maybe. Indiana. We'll see where. Well, I mean, I guess we'll see where where Minnesota kind of falls. They have they have been solid. Yes. I, I mean, where's Northwestern Northwestern fit in there? I think they're in this discussion too. I mean, yeah. four through ten or eleven is. Like you could pick any team out of a hat. That's how I feel right now. Yeah, I mean, and um, you know, Maryland obviously has not had the season they wanted. They 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 have. Was that a was that an amicable self separation there with Mark Turgeon? Probably not. Step, stepping down in the middle of the season, and the Danny Manning taking over there. Kind of interested to see how that that plays out. But yeah, I mean it, it's a it, it's a jumbled mess there in the middle, and so that's why I think you could probably see Wisconsin anywhere from four to eight by the end of the year. Maybe even I mean I, I guess I mean it depends. You can see them lower than that if they're going to keep on shooting the way that they are. Their defense can only do so much in terms of keeping them in game. I mean, if they play defense like they did against Indiana in the second half or they give up 17 points, they're going to be in every game. But they, they're, they're shooting is just um, – if it stays like that, they can't – they won't finish in the top six of the Big Ten if they keep shooting the way that they have, uh, especially – yeah, I mean, it, I know what I know what they've done to this point, shooting the way they have, but I I don't see that playing out uh, well in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think the ceiling for them is is the top half of the Big Ten, like I said last week. Um, but it's going to be tough, and you've got to be consistent. And I think that's something that this team is going to learn. Yeah. So, uh, college basketball in general, when you look at, is this the most wide open you think things have ever been? I shouldn't say ever been, but. Um, most wide open they've been in a while in terms of like who is the favorite to win this thing. I mean, Gonzaga, Gonzaga has been up and down. Purdue's been, uh, had that obviously a blip with, with Rutgers. We've seen Duke. We've seen I mean, Kansas has, has had its time. Baylor. I mean, I think Baylor probably going to be the number one team in the country when the new poll comes out on Monday, but it's, it, it feels like it's kind of a, there, there's really, I mean, there's really nobody that you can sit there and say they've been better than everybody else this entire year. Yeah, I feel like in past seasons, you get late into a season and there's at least one team that's still undefeated and it's just so far and away superior. And right now, I mean, even in the top 10 from this past week, look at all the teams that have losses. Only two teams in the top 10 were still undefeated. And one of them was Purdue, which just lost to Rutgers. So I think it is pretty wide open. I mean, that's kind of the fun part about about college basketball. I mean, that frankly, it. That's why I like college basketball more than college football is there's more parity and more teams have a shot. Um, and this season feels like kind of a prime example. Yeah, there are there. I and mean, look, we're 
middle of December, still a lot of time to go, but there's, there's, uh, I think seven teams still undefeated in college basketball, uh, San Francisco, Colorado State, Iowa state, USC, LSU, Arizona, Baylor. I think any of them make it all the way through. Oh no. Undefeated. Yeah. No way. All right. Hey, I w- just asking the questions, Jesse, just asking the questions. Um, obviously Gonzaga made it all the way through, uh, until losing to Baylor in the national championship game. So I think like, it's not like it's impossible, but I think no. it's very hard to do probably in a major conference for sure. Yes. In the West coast conference, it'll, it's a little different. No, I mean, I'd say no offense, but like, yeah, West coast conference is not the big 10. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I mean, Baylor, the big 12, probably not Arizona, the PAC 12, probably not LSU, in the SEC, probably not. USC and Arizona can't both go undefeated. San Francisco in the West Coast Conference, probably not. Probably going to lose to Gonzaga at some point. And then Colorado State in the in the Mountain West and Iowa State in the Big 12, probably not going to happen. But um, I don't know. It's, it, it, we'll see. It's it's a very, uh, as I said before, kind of up in the air con- uh, year in terms of like who's the favorite to win it. There were a lot of, uh, before the year, a lot of people saying Gonzaga, uh, a lot of people uh, talk about Purdue and Purdue. I think Purdue, I think Purdue may end up being the best team, but um, they got a little bit of a shock, just like that 2014, 15 Wisconsin team did going into Rutgers and, and losing the way that they did. Um, granted they played without Frank Kaminsky. So a little bit different, but um, we'll see Wisconsin back in a non-conference play this week. We'll be back uh, next week to, to break that down and uh, look ahead to their next non-conference game. Cause they're going to, they get some time off. I believe they play the 15th and they get some time off for, uh, I believe they get eight days off before they, their next game. And, uh, but we'll, we'll be back next week. To talk about it. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right. There is Jesse Temple from the athletic. You've been listening to the swing here on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network.